a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? Hey team, slight change of plan to who I said was coming up today in last week's episode, Kurt Pengilly, the NXS rock star, will now be up next week. Alrighty, let's get stuck straight into this one. Episode 5 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part A features a Hollywood icon by the name of Mr Gene Kirkwood. Now, it is a really, really big deal having Gene on the show. This is a man who was executive producer of one of the most iconic sports movies of all time. In fact, in my books, the most iconic, Rocky. His name is Sylvester Stallone. He's the star of a new film called Rocky. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented, sexy, sensitive, dynamic, brilliant. He's been compared to Nicholson, De Niro and Brando but he is Rocky. Now, Gene, who won an Oscar for Rocky as Best Picture, is the full showbiz package, as you're about to hear, out of the Bronx, now rolling in LA. His stories about what went on behind the scenes in the making of Rocky are all time. And recently, Gene made The Defiant Ones, outstanding show about Jimmy Iovine and Dr Dre, for which he won a Grammy. If you haven't seen it, The Defiant Ones, it is one of the best documentaries I've ever watched. Check it out. So what I'm saying to you is Gene is the real deal. If you love sport and movies, then this episode's your go. Thanks to the great Herso who managed to secure Gene to come on the show, which I thought was one in a million. Gene Kirkwood doesn't typically have the time to talk to some bloke in Australia for his podcast. So for this reason, something a little bit different... Before we get going, I'm going to take you behind the scenes on what happens as we set up the podcast. What you need to realise, with some guests like Gene, I've never met them before and they have no idea, absolutely no idea who I am. Are they going to be talkative? Are they going to be really reserved? Who knows? I've got no idea until I see them on Zoom for the first time. Gene is a big player in Hollywood, so I was a little bit edgy, I was a bit toey. This is the first couple of seconds when we met and Gene came out firing, commenting on the Howie Games merch that I was wearing. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, a little, little slowed up There's on the thing. It's a little thing. delay. So it's a little delay? A little, there it seems like it, so just don't interrupt. A delay in Australia? No, there you go. Got it. How's that? How's that? How's that? That sounds good to me. It looks good. Hey, Gene. Are you wearing a T-shirt? Are you wearing a T-shirt with your name on it? Well, the podcast. That's what we do here. <laughs> So it's pretty obvious immediately from that that Gene's going to be good fun and a wonderful guest. So you get this this thing and you you do this out of your house once a week. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's um it's with a lot of high profile sports people. So we've you know we've had Kelly Slater on Tony Hawk, a lot of guys from your part of the world. But yeah, it's uh this is the old home studio here, mate. That's as technical as we get here. Well, it's good for you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Then, as we go on, I need to explain a few technical things so as to make the audio sound sharp to the guests, which is never an easy thing to do. Hey, Gene, before we get underway and I think you want to introduce myself, just, just a couple of things. Do you have headphones with you there? Um, I do, but you can hear, I can hear everything really good. Yeah, I, I know, but it's just the way I'm going to get you to record at your end. Um, you being a technical man will understand this. I'm going to get you to record at your end on a phone and then send me that file and if... It stops me bleeding onto your file if you have headphones on. Well, I don't know. Which right, now we're just, right now we're just recording on his phone and it should be all right. Right now we're picking up everything. Yeah, I, I, okay. 
But yeah, right now I'm recording it on the phone. Like I said, like on his phone, like how it is. And I can just send that. Oh, so you've, you're recording on voice memos already. You're already a step ahead yes, of the game. Ah, yes. sorry. <laughs> to me, I, I still have a tin can with a string. I'm, yeah, I'm not right. a <laughs> No, no that's perfect. Windows so you'd still like me to grab him headphones to connect to the computer? I would. I'm Howie, by the way. Um, thank Hi, you. Hi, Chandler. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Hi, Chandler. That would be fantastic. Chandler. Now Chandler comes into the equation. She is Jean's assistant. Who sorts out the headphones? Jean, hello, Howie to Jean. I'm too loud. I better talk softer. I'm blowing your ear balls out. Okay, so headphones now sorted. Jean's looking sharp. Now your hair looks good. Never was going to see this. So now at this point we're just about to roll, but you must remember the guest. Any guest that comes on the show is doing me a huge favour to appear on the podcast. So I always say the same thing to the guest. Out of respect. I always say this to all my guests, Jean. It won't apply to you. It's more to your athletes. If anything comes up, that I ask or that you answer and you think back in a few days' time, you know, you know what, Howie, I didn't really like that question or I wasn't sure the way I answered it, just tell me and we cut it out. We're not about making headlines. It won't apply to you, but I think it's always the best thing to say to the guests that it's all about enjoyment for you and not putting you in an uncomfortable situation. Well, well what I do right away being in showbiz is I lie about everything. So <laughs> I'm okay. Whatever you say, I don't like it. I'll just lie. Okay. Okay. Let me, I'm just going to adjust my volume. Finally, we're set up. We've established a short, sharp relationship. Hopefully that's going to get us through the podcast. We're ready to go. But then Gene drops this in. Oh, I did something. I I brought a guest with me just for a second. I thought you might like with, I brought Sylvester Stallone. Oh, where are you? I can squeeze him in if you want to. No, no, just kidding. (laughs) All right. I'm recording on all my devices. You're recording on yours. Let's do this, Gene. All right. As they say in Tinseltown, coming to you direct from Hollywood, the Howie Games Artist Series presents a legend of the movie-making caper, Mr. Gene Kirkwood. Welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series, a man that has had a tremendous influence on movies, on popular culture. He was the executive producer of For Mine, the biggest sports movie and biggest sports franchise movie series of all time. He's coming somewhere from America. We'll establish where in a moment. His name is Gene Kirkwood, and it is a true treat to have this man on the Howie Games Artist Series. Gene, come in. How are you, great man? Thank you. Thank you. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. You're in Hollywood at the moment? Yes, absolutely. Midtown Hollywood. Um, before we kick off, you immediately, when I popped up, said uh, you liked my jumper, so I'm going to get you a bit of this merch and send it over there to Hollywood for you, G. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Can't wait to get the Howie games and run around with that. I like that. Good. Hey, I, I really appreciate your time. I know you don't do many of these things, and Steve, our producer, has been going back and forth with you to track you down. So firstly, from the bottom of my heart, when people understand what you've done in the movie world, they're going to be blown away that you've actually come on this podcast. So, Gene, I really appreciate it, and it's great to see you fit and firing and with a smile on your face. Oh, thank you so much. Now, before we get into Rocky, etc. Actually, let's start with that right off the top. It was made, what, back in 1976, and we'll get into the details of it and, and the other amazing work you've done, Defiant Ones, et cetera, and, and the movies you've made. But how do you reflect back on the fact that you were the man in charge of what is the most iconic sports movie of all time, Gene? It's an incredible achievement. 
I don't look at it that way. I look at it as, as something that happened then that was great. I really appreciate it. And it, it keeps happening with Creed and everything. So it never really goes away. The thing that's really interesting about it is uh, it's, it's a period picture now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rocky's actually a period picture. That's how long it's been. I always tell it was between Sylvester and Moses for the lead. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's just, it's just, it never goes away. Uh, and, and I'm really glad I did it in my life. It really was an amazing trip. I watched it just two nights ago and we'll reflect on that. But firstly, Gene, for those that are tuning in, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you were born and what you were up to as a young man before you went into this world of movies. I'm uh, from the Bronx originally. So I was either going to be in crime or show business and I picked show <laughs> business. <laughs> uh, I, I dropped out of high school in 10th grade and came out to California in the 1963. What did your parents say when you said, right, I'm dropping out of the 10th grade and I'm heading to the other side of the country? Well, they used to wrap my lunch in a map, so it was okay by them. Uh, no, it was good. They gave me all the confidence. They gave me all the confidence in the world and, and it's something I had to do. I wanted to be an actor. So, so you get to Hollywood, just to strip it back for me a little bit, you get to Hollywood as a 16-year-old. What's Hollywood like in, in the 1960s? And what's your plan, Gene? Like, that's a bold no, move my, for my, a young my man. my plan was just adventure. You know, when you're a kid, nothing bothers you. Uh, I, was a, I was in town for about a week, and I didn't know if I made the right decision or not, you know? I had to find a place to live, find a job. And it was about, oh, about 12 o'clock at night, and I'm on Sunset, a Sunset Strip, and I hear these Harley Davidsons coming down, and I look at it, and it was Elvis Presley and Anne Margaret on Harleys. Wow. And I said, I think I made the right decision, child. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, this is the place. And it was, uh, and it was great. I, I can't think of a moment that I regret uh, in, in all the years that I've been here. Not one second. The women were beautiful. You know, it was amazing. It was the surf period. It was, uh, you know, the Beach Boys. I left I left New York with Martha Rees and the Vandellas. And when I got here, it was like the Beach Boys. It was a whole different look. <laughs> uh, uh, it was movie stars and, and premieres. Uh, the pastel was like really like Technicolor. Uh, and it was just great. It was amazing. And you wanted to be an so yeah. how does a how does a sixteen year old kid make his first step into the acting world? I'm fascinated. Well, I used to I used to in the middle of, when I was going to high uh, school, I didn't tell my parents. Uh, I also was going to acting school in Greenwich Village, a place called uh, HB Studio Herbert Berghoff, and I auditioned for a, a Broadway play and I got it. Uh, and I had to go get them because I was I was young and they had to sign the papers for me. And I finally told them, hey, guys, you know, I want to be an actor. I've been going to this other school, this other class. You know, they, they were busy in a way, but no one knew anything in those days. You just did your thing, you know. And so and so the play closed and I had a few bucks in my pocket and I just got on a plane and came out of here. So did you attempt a first audition? How did you get your first gig? Oh, sure. No, you go on Sunset, you get pictures taken. You know, and you do, you go to all the agents, you give them your pictures, and then you start going on readings and auditions. Uh, and I was I was very good in reading, so I, I got lucky real quick, pretty good. Uh, I did movies like Rides on the Sunset Strip, <laughs> Hot Rods to Hell. No limit. Run him off the road, Duke! Run him off the road! <laughs> Day and night, 
night and day, these kids will try anything for kicks. Wow. All these great little B-type of pictures and stuff, and, uh, and I loved it. <clears throat> and then it's so wild, I thought for sure I was going to be an actor, and I was doing pretty good. I was doing all right. Duke, we got to do something. You know that character Gloria threw the bear can at? Well, he was just here. And when I started hanging out with Bobby De Niro and uh, Harvey Keitel and Richard Dreyfuss, they, all they talked about was acting. You know, acting, this and that. And uh, 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 I never, uh, and it bothered me that I didn't love it as much as them. So that's when I switched over to try to make movies. We, we've had, Gene, some very, very well-known people on this show. I, I'm not sure anyone prior on this show has dropped a name the size of, as you called him, Bobby De Niro. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, we're all kids together. You know, we all grew up together. I did like five films with him. You actually acted alongside Robert De Niro and Guilty yeah, by Suspicion? Yeah, yeah, They brought me in here because they wanted somebody with style. That's why you're here, because you got style too. What happened to the other director? The other director took a flop. Don't worry about the other director. Well, look, I have to look at the script. I have to talk to the actors. Right. I need time to prepare. Here's, there's no time to prepare. Don't worry about the actors. The actors are, are mint. Here's the script. That's what you're doing next is this scene. You take a nice lunch, a half hour, and you read the rest, all right? I'll be in my office taking care of business. Don't worry about anything. We're going to walk down the aisle together. You're going to be great, I swear. I'll see you at the Oscars, all right? I'm in my office if you need me. So so when you talk about, and I, I really want to explore what you do as a job, but when you talk about you developed Raging Bull with Robert De Niro, what, what does that mean ostensibly, Gene? The Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull. Let's hear for the great Jake LaMotta, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you get, you get the rights and you start working with the writer who is Mardik Martin uh, uh, and, and you start developing it and... Uh, I told Marty to make it in black and white because we did Rocky in color. And I said, you know, you got to do this in black and white because it's that period, uh, which meant a lot. You know, an idea can really mean a lot. Like uh, uh, in, uh, in Rocky, I, I told uh, uh, Sly to work on the meat, you know, to hit the meat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds so weird, like two o'clock in the morning on the phone, but it looks, it looks entirely different when you're watching it. Uh, so you develop things, you know, movies are daydreams. They're all dreams. And uh, you put sound, uh, actors, writing, uh, camera, everything to a frame. That's why it's a great art form. Uh, and you never know whether it's going to come out or not. I mean, you know it's going to be great or terrible or whatever. It's just you don't know. So from your vast experience, and this is a pretty broad question early doors, Gene, but what is the key to making... A good movie, a beautiful movie, a movie people want to watch and a, a movie that gets people in. You know, there's no, everybody's different. I go by my instincts. If I can read something, I make it. You know, I like it. You know, uh, I've done everything from UHF with Weird Al Yankovic because uh, I wanted to make a comedy to uh, I Weed with Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep, which was a Pulitzer Prize winning book. A unique and unforgettable film. They are two of the greatest actors on the planet says Peter Travers of People magazine. Jack Nicholson, Meryl Streep, Ironweed. Everything is different, but I gotta like it, I gotta feel it, and it has to be pure. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work for me at all. It's, I've been that way all my life. And I haven't always been successful, and it's cost me a lot. Because I, could, I couldn't do anything with a car chase, for some reason. Anything with a car chase is something rolling over I couldn't do. <laughs> it's just like a, a mental thing, you know? It's like a Joey Ramone thing in my head. You have a click, you know? It's like, you know, so I, I, could, I could never do that. So, and you pay for that. But you just got to be creative to yourself uh, and not bullshit yourself. 
and, uh, and that's the way I've always rolled. Being ostensibly a sports show, though this is a creative component of that podcast, I'd love to speak to you in depth about Rocky if, if you're happy to do that. Sure. You're glad. So, so how does it first come into your sphere, this film? Sly, I met Sly as a writer. Uh, first of all, I, I, I love The Lords of Flatbush, this other film he did. It was one of his first films. Hey, kids, the next song is dedicated to Butchie, Chico, Wimpy, Stanley, Franny and Annie, the stars of the new movie, The Lords of Flatbush. And then I got a script that he wrote called Hell's Kitchen, uh, which I couldn't option. It was optioned by somebody else. What, what does that mean, it, it, the option? No, it was somebody else owned it. Okay. Owned the script that he gave me. And so... Uh, we had lunch at the MGM commissary, uh, and I said, let's talk about a fight picture. I said, you know, uh, in On the Waterfront, you ever see On the Waterfront with Marlon Brando? I have. Well, he's a great line. I could have been a contender and everything like that. Remember that night the God Charlie was my night, you know? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. But you never see Marlon fight. You never saw that. And so I said... With Sly, I said, wouldn't it be great if, you, if he has an opportunity to shot at something? And he says, I have something in mind. And three days later, he brought the script. Rocky was 80 pages. And we shot that. We shot that script. Uh, and 10 months from when he gave me the script, we were going to the Oscars. So that's how crazy things are. Wow. You know, it, just, it just worked. And we were up against uh, all the president's men, taxi driver, network, bound for glory. And we won! <laughs> And the winner is Rocky Irwin, Winkler, and Robert Chardoff, producers. I'd like to thank John Adelson for his sensitive direction, Gene Kirkwood for his imagination and energy. And to all the Rockies in the world, I love you. Thank you. So your role on the Rocky film as executive producer for those that aren't aware of the the movie industry, like, Gene, we watch movies and it pops up, you know, producer, executive producer, and we sit there, uh, we probably don't understand what you do. So can you describe to me what your role is as executive producer on Rocky? Well, when I got, I got that title, I didn't know what it, what it was. I mean, I just I wanted to produce the movie. <laughs> I was happy to get the money. There's only $980,000 to make the picture I wanted to get. I don't know. They could have given me any any credit. An executive producer in those days were like Dino De Laurentiis and Joe Levine. People that put up money for the film were executive producers. My, wow. A lot of people, a lot of people thought that I put up the money for the film, which I used a lot, incidentally. Sure, I put it up. Why not? You know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, so in TV, an executive producer is is an online producer that works with the writers and directors. In features. Executive producer for anybody that, that got the money or or, uh, or or found the script or did this or did that. There's many executive producers. Usually it's people that put up money. Uh, so it's, it's, so that's what that is. So so you, you have a script, as you mentioned, that, that Sylvester knocked up. What, uh, and you've got some finance for the film. And as you said, I think it was a million dollars, which was, a, 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 even in those days, a, a really small budget. It, it was actually 980. Right. Because the deal that, uh, that Charlotte Winkler had at UA, United Artists, anything under a million, they'd have to green light. So we did the budget for 980,000. <laughs> And how tight was that in 1975, 76 to make a film? 
It was still tight because it was a studio movie uh, and it's all locations. Um, and it was it was tight. It was, uh, but John Avelson was great at that. And we shot it in 28 days. Uh, and it just, everything went great. I can't explain it. Everything that, that, that happened that, that we thought would, would fuck things up. Can I say that? Sorry. Of course you can. Uh, that screwed things up. Worked out great in the movie. I mean, uh, I had two different cameramen, uh, a cameraman in Philadelphia and a cameraman in, in L.A., uh, Ralph Boder in uh, uh, Philly and uh, James Crabe in uh, uh, L.A. He was IA and the other was non-union. I did everything non-union uh, uh, in <laughs> Philly. That I really stole a lot of stuff. Uh, the, they were all after me in Philly. That's why Sly's running through the whole thing. It's because the, the, the unions <laughs> and the wise guys... I told them I was making a sermonette. <laughs> and the, they were chasing us. That's why we ran. We only did one interior. Uh, uh, but but uh, it was a trip. It was a real trip. It was great. When I look back at things, it was so great. Now, we forget what we do sometimes. Now, you look back at what you're doing. Uh, when you, you wind up in a big network show and be bought by Murdoch or something like that. And you look back <laughs> at this time and you're going to say, this was a great time. You know, I did what I wanted to do. Nobody bothered me, you know. I like you. I like your confidence in me, Gene. I'm not sure I'm filled with the same confidence. So take me to the the first um, to to break it down into a few nuts and bolts. I want to ask you about various scenes. What's your first day's shooting on Rocky? Well, it was in, it was in Philly. Uh, we wanted to get that out of the way, and the first day shooting was was his neighborhood. You know, you got gaps. Uh, you know, he's walking down all in his neighborhood with Mickey. Oh, listen, kid. Hey, go. Hey, Mick. I need your help about 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago? Right. You never helped me, no. You didn't care. Well, if you wanted help, I say, if you wanted help, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me, kid? We, had, we saw the trains coming by. I timed this when, when he got down, Burgess Meredith, the train came by. Had all those things to do. All the exteriors that were Philly were done there. Uh, uh, we did the thing running. We, a lot of stuff. It was all running. It was like a blur. So, so on that, Gene, I, I, as I said, I watched it two days ago and I was thinking to myself, how do you make a movie? Because I saw the train go past and it's integral to the shot. Is that you knowing what time the train comes yeah, on the yeah, timetable? Yeah, Right. Yeah, hold Burgess up. Hold right. him up. Hold Sly. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, get up. Just wait a second. Two seconds. <laughs> Boom, you know? <laughs> and then, then he got out. No, it was... It was, it was Everybody was so keenly in touch with each other. And I got very spoiled from that because that was my first picture that I like I owned. You know, I worked on Mean Streets and other things before, but this was like uh uh and it was just everything was just so cool. Nobody nothing uh, it never happened again like that. I thought that was the thing. I said, Well, this is so tough. And it never happened again. I, yeah. So Sylvester as an actor. Is it part of your role or how much goes on, on on a film like that with a young actor where you're directing the actor or is it just leave it up to him because it's no, his show? No, he, he, he was the writer too, so it's his dialogue. He wrote the screenplay. Yes. Uh, he got nominated for that. And you got to realise how great that script was. Uh, so he was totally in touch with himself in that. Every, every line, everything, the character. And it was the first time, this is one of my discoveries, I discovered the uh, the steady cam. You know, they didn't have steady cams then and it's, this is so strange how lucky everything was. 
Uh, he just finished writing the scene. We're working on this scene with uh, uh, where he runs up the stairs in Philly. And in the scene that he wrote, he had Butkus in his hands. He was trying to, you know, what he's writing. And I said, look, there's a guy I looked up. He has some type of new device or something, but it looked kind of cool and, he, and it's good for action. So we should look at it. So we went to, 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 to the basement of, of, of uh, MGM and we put the film on. And as we put the film on, this is so wild. We put the film on, and it's Gareth who uh, who invented it, going up the stairs in Philly, the same stairs that Sly went up in Philly, and we're watching this, <laughs> and we said, "Did he know about the script?" I mean, he just wrote that scene, and that's why I bet the lottery because that's a billion to one, a billion to one that 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 thing, and uh, and so that that the camera, him going up uh, um, the stairs with no bump and the fight. That became the that became Garrett's thing. But what they had on the camera is the playback was right there, so you can see what you shot, and that started to slow us up because after you shot everything, you wanted to look at it. Okay. It was like you're looking at dailies. You know, you want to go well, play it back. Meanwhile, you're in the street, so I said, "Look, there's wise guys down the street that are going to kill me if they get me. Let's get <laughs> out of here." You know. Back to Gene shortly. Next up on the artist series, rock star. Kirk Pengilly takes us through his incredible journey within excess. I always read about riders for bands. Yeah. Did in excess have a rider? Yeah, of course. Always. What, what always. was on it? Um, oh, it depends on what era. I mean, you know, like back in the pub days, it was, you know, a six pack of, of beer. Um, but, you know, when, in the heyday, it was a bottle of Dom Perignon 83 each. Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, there'd be catering at the gigs and, and the backstage there'd be, uh, you know, the, the usual malay of cheeses and dips and nothing, nothing crazy, you know. Cheeses and dips, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's what you get in America anyway. That's Kirk Pengilly next Tuesday on The Artist Series. Let's get back to Gene. So a couple of questions there and the steady cam for those people that, that aren't aware, you know, I work as a sports broadcaster now. That, that's all we use when we're yeah. out on the ground. This, the, the steady cam has become yeah. an enormous part of sports broadcasting. So you mentioned the step scene. Yeah, is when when Sylvester writes because that montage, Gene, that that training montage, and the first time he tries to get up the steps, he's not fit enough, and then no. you see the training montage, and it's it's iconic yeah. movie making, Gene, and and running through the streets, and then obviously up the the steps of the art museum. Is that written in the script, that location? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, everything, okay. yeah, everything. We need, everything had to be there. It's the only way you can really make movies. You can improv and things happen. But film is so final. And if you don't have it in a canon, you can't go back. I can't go back and run up the stairs again once I wrap. I'm out of there. And so uh, uh, you, you try to put everything down. Everything was pretty well pretty well done. The, the, the montage of the training, again, like we had to get out of there. So we, so we said, well, we would Gareth just run through the market. Matter of fact, when the guy throws him a fruit when he's running, yes. you see what he's ready. That was all improv. <laughs> you know, just threw it to him. You know? So, that, so we, we, kept, we just kept going. Uh, uh, and the only scene we had to worry about really was the interior of the pet store because the people wanted us out of there pretty quick. 
And it was a strange thing. How are you feeling this morning, huh? Full of life. Fine. Hey, how you doing, killer? How's the turtle food this week? Fine. You've mentioned a few times we had to get out of there. We had to keep moving. What, yeah. what was the – did you need permits? What was the – or did yeah, you not you have permits? permits? You had to be like a citizen. I wasn't like a citizen, you know what I mean? We, got, we, had, a, we had a neighbor crew, uh, which is non-union, and some of my crew was union from Hollywood, and they were very strict in, in those days. Uh, matter of fact, the, the production manager, his pop passed away about two weeks before. And so we're going to this location because I had to pay the guys off in cash. I had $36,000 in cash <laughs> to pay to pay the crew. And he, he started to cry as we're going in there. So I said, Jesus, I'm so sorry you know, about your dad. He says, not my dad. I don't want to get robbed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, he thought he was going to get robbed there. It was the union and everything. I said, no, you're not going to get robbed. Nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs> so, so, th- so, th- 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 those Philadelphia scenes, at the start of the movie, and I'd like to know again where this comes from, Sylvester is walking around the whole time when he's out on the street. It's a reflex thing. It's a boxing thing with the squash ball. Again, yeah, iconic, yeah. the squash yeah. ball. Yeah, he, yeah he, that's, he, he decided to grab that then and he kept it. Uh, and the interesting about him walking up the streets then, I said to Bill Conti, never leave him alone. The music is so important in the movie, even if it's two cues on a piano. Sly is never alone. You know, he's always by himself thinking if he walks out of the arena or he up going up the street, bouncing the ball, he has two cues on a piano. People don't, they don't understand how to do that today. They leave, they leave actors alone. You know, you, you know, the music, Bill Conti did such an amazing job with this. Well, tell me about the music because I guess that, you know, it starts, the opening title is that music straight yeah. away and there's the black screen and the rocky graphic comes yeah. across. Do you, do you give the composer Bill any direction, and then does no, he bring it to you, or, or like what no, happens? Because it's it's the biggest sports song ever. Like the people train well, to it still it, today. Yeah, again, everything worked out great. It's like I showed him the the Rocky Marciano as a Charles fight, which was a great fight. If anybody's into fights, they should look that one up. Marciano as a Charles. So they threw in fifteen rounds. I said, that, that, that's the fight. That's going to be like the fight in our movie. And I said, um, uh, I played Beethoven's fifth to it. And I said, this isn't quite it, but I want a score. I want a score that's classical. Huh. You know, I was thinking of like then Aaron Copeland and stuff like that. I wanted like a, a you know, uh, and he did that. And he came up with a song, Going to Fly Now, Carol Connors. He said two words, Going to Fly Now, or three words. And that became like, the, the sports song of all time. I mean, going going to going to fly now was like the national anthem. I mean, every sporting event started with going to fly now, so it was quite a trip. We only had five thousand dollars for the music, for all the music in the movie, and he didn't even have the film to look at. Wow! When he was doing his compositions, uh, it just all worked out amazing. Do you hear it for the first time, and does it hit you in your guts, and you know, Gene, or not? It just, it just, everything just worked. It was just that we hear cues, we hear this, and what happened so fast. Oh, 
You mentioned earlier on the, the there's certain iconic scenes, the meat scene where he, he is pounding into carcasses with Paulie, his brother, well, not his brother-in-law, but what becomes his brother-in-law. Yeah. This is something that popped into your head? You're breaking the ribs. We do that to Apollo Creed, they'll put us in jail for murder. Well, hitting the meat popped into my head. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. I just felt it just felt right because he's in the he's in the butcher thing all the time. He's over there all the time. I said, but if you hit that, I can get a reaction on the other end because fighters don't hit me. But first, Especially Rocky, how did you come to co- train in an icebox? Oh, uh, well, uh, my friend, the guy over there, he let me in one day and I hit the beef here and I kind of liked it. And since I've become a challenger, the owner don't mind neither that I come in. Is this a common training method? I mean, do other fighters pound raw meat? No, I think I invented it. And then I found out after we hit the meat, we, we had to pay for everything because of the Board of Health. <laughs> you know, you know, this was actually, you should know about this. This was like the first tie-in. On the back, on the back of his robe, it says so somebody's meat company. I can't think of it now. It does. So I put his name on the back of it, and he didn't charge us for using the location or anything. <laughs> And it was a meat. It was a meat company. So that was the actual meat company that you put. Yeah, on. that was the actual meat guy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the co- and the commentators refer yeah. to it, so they get a verbal plug yeah. as well. Yeah, no, that was it. Rocky Balboa climbing into the ring now. The Italian stallion. Some meat sign on the back of his robe. There, have you seen what that was? Shamrock meat. Shamrock meat. And everything like well, we we got the robe washed because we used it somewhere else. And, and it shrunk on Sly. And we had to do everything we had to do with that. It, it, we, as it was in the movie, Adrian, does this look too small? Or too, no, it looks fine. You know, we used everything in it. It just, everything worked. Hey, Adrian, you don't think this robe is too baggy, you know? Good luck. Don't leave town. You know, when it's like a football team. You know, when they're all, you know, when you're with Brady, right? You got with yep. Brady and you, you know, and you're out there and he gets everybody together and everybody's clicking in sports. When a team is clicking, nothing, nothing can stop it. Some days they don't, they're all, but when they're clicking, forget it. We were just clicking. Can I ask you uh, um, about, th- there's a scene in it, Gene, where Rocky is walking around pre-fight and I think there's promoters in there and, and they unveil the big poster and he's looking at the poster and he says, oh, that that's not how my strip is. It's red and white or white yeah. and red. Rocky, what brings you here tonight? Mr. Jurgens, the poster's wrong. What do you mean? Well, I'm wearing white pants with a red stripe. It doesn't really matter, does it? I'm sure you're going to give us a great show. That's because he painted it wrong. The art director painted it wrong. And we used it. Yeah, it was painted wrong because we did this whole thing. It was huge. And we had no money. I had to go get extra money for the fight. We had no money. I needed like 25 grand for the fight and money for Apollo Creed to dress as George Washington with that whole thing. They didn't want any of that. They said, no. I said, no, it has to be this. And I had to fly fly the fighter in. Uh, A great fighter that I had in the ring. All right. The fight scenes themselves, how long does it take to shoot the 15-round the classic first Rocky fight? I believe we took, we had to come back because we had to get the crowds. I got the crowd 
from the United Way. I got fifteen hundred people from the United Way. What, what's the United Way? McDon- what's that? It's like a place. It's a place for like uh, people that are a little. I don't know how to explain it. Mentally challenged, right. you know, and they have okay. you know, so, so we got them, and we gave them food and things, and because uh, uh, I had no money for extras. If you see in this ice skating uh, rink, there's only him and Sly. That yeah. was written for a lot of extras and a lot of people, and we didn't have the money for that. Yo, it looks kind of quiet, you know. I think it's closed. No, I think maybe we're just early or something like that, you know. You. No. We're closed. What? I said we're closed. So that's what we said. Look, you just tell the guy, you give him 10 bucks for the ring. (laughs) (laughs) That's how that whole C came out. Because we didn't have the money. It's just the two of them. Right. 10 minutes, 10 bucks. 10 bucks. How about eight? Eight bucks. Come on. It's Thanksgiving. All right. Nine bucks you got to deal. You have the ice to yourself. Ten bucks. But that worked better. That turned out to be one of the best scenes in the movie. Where Adrian's sort of skating along yeah, and he's yeah, beside he's skating, her. He's walking, yeah. And he keeps saying, George Beverly keeps saying, five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. So the, the fight scenes. How do you go about choreographing between Apollo and Rocky or between Carl and Sylvester? How much production goes into a fight scene, or is it a fly by the seat of your pants? What no, happens? no, it, no, no, not that they, they would have knocked each other out. They're, they're powerful guys. Apollo unloading a lefty, really tied him up against the ropes. He's <laughs> And so it, every punch, everything, Slide wrote the fight scene completely. Uh, um, everything in the fight scene is written on the page. Go, you duck low, I go right, I go to the body, you come up. Everything was choreographed and really well planned because we didn't have a lot of time and we couldn't make a mistake. You, know, you get knocked out by mistake. They're big guys and they're moving. And they got, as they got into the scene, they got crazy. You know, you know it, it could have been very difficult. It is, they got hurt as it is, but uh, it was all, that was all written uh, and choreographed. We did have to come back. For, with Adrian, because we wanted her, we didn't have her in the ring. Adrian! 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 We got about 25 extras and we, we were in front, I was in front of the camera like that. You know, we we're going like, like this, people going like that. And uh, uh, everything happened, everything happened very quick. Every, the whole picture was wrapped in 28 days with the fight, with the locations, with everything. And it was a big cast. The famous line, yo, Adrian. Throughout the whole film, it's yo, 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 yeah. Adrian. This is just written by Sylvester? Yes, yes. That was, yo is a, is a Philly slang. Uh, a lot. Yo, Adrian, it's me, Rocky. Rocky, you know? Uh, and he, that was him. The script is all slides, every line. I mean, it's the right, he wrote, it was an amazing screenplay. People freaked over that screenplay when they read that. Why? Because you know, it was brilliant. I mean, you know, when you're used to reading scripts or you're not, you know, when you get something and, it, and you read it already. You know, you read it like in two minutes, it went bang. You know, and, and everything popped off. And the style in which he wrote it was great. And it, it pisses me off to this day that he doesn't write more. He's just lazy. He's a brilliant writer. Brilliant writer. Huh. But it's hard writing because you're alone. You, you need discipline. You know, 
Okay, so 28 days, Gene. The whole yeah. thing's shot for under a million bucks. I think you mentioned um, earlier on the dog. What was that Sly's dog? Was it Butkus? Yeah, Butkus, yeah. Yo, Butkus. I met Butkus when I first met Sly. I went up to his apartment. He was living in a one-bedroom apartment with his wife. Then it was pregnant, Sasha, and Butkus. <laughs> And so I, I went up there and we were gonna, I was going we to do something, you know, rehearse something or see somebody. And so he says, look, I got to run down the street, get something for Adrian at the pharmacy. Can you wait here with Butkus? I said, sure. So I'm there by myself and Butkus is like, oh, like two feet away from me. And I go like this and Butkus goes. <laughs> now you understand that Butkus looks like a Buick. <laughs> He's a real, like a fucking, fucking Land Rover, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he looked hungry, <laughs> you know. And so and, and I, I was frozen until he got back and I was looking at the clock, counting the minutes. I didn't move until he got in the he got in the apartment and I said, Sly, Sly, put the dog away. <laughs> what? Put the, put the dog away. <laughs> and then, then I, that was, I always remember that. He took, we didn't have any money to, to fly Butkus uh, to Philly. So we, he took the train. <laughs> he took the train. The dog took the train. He took the train. <laughs> he took the train with Sly and his wife, Butkus, uh, in, the, in like a little compartment, the whole bunch of them. And nobody had given them any service because all, all everybody working on the train was afraid of the dog. <laughs> so it took him like three, four days to get to Philly with him. Yeah. It's wild. So he, he, he used his dog. Uh, I, I did read, now this is another one of those urban uh, myths of your great film, that because of budget constraints, Sly had some family members rolled into the into the whole movie as well to save money on extras. True story or not? His dad hit the bell, oh, but it wasn't about that. It's just given me, he hit the bell during the fight. Uh-huh. Uh, his, his whole dad relationship with his dad is really interesting. That's for another time. But... Uh, so he hit the bell, and then uh, his brother sang uh, uh, Take You Back in the beginning of the movie. Did he really? You know, when this was singing, yeah, that was his, his brother. Do, 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 take you back like That's the end of Gene Kirkwood Part A. Roll on to Part B. Listener.